Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. This is Grilling at the Green After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm JT, and today we've got uh, our namesake. We're namesakes to each other. Jeff Sanders is with us from Jeff Sanders Entertainment. You might have known Jeff from the tour years ago or starting with the Fred Meyer Challenge and then working forward. Uh, until he got Jeff. Oh, it was Jeff Sanders Productions, wasn't it? Jeff Sanders Promotions. We started out Promotions. as yes. Okay, sorry about that. But now he uh, and he worked with sold his company to Lagadere, and now he's doing some. I guess I'd call you a freelancer for a bit. So <laughs> that would be good. Um, so this is the part of the show where. I ask you some really irrelevant or irreverent, whichever way you want to look at them, questions. And uh, you can answer them or pass on them if you want to. And then once in a while, we get back to talking about some serious stuff. So are you ready there, my friend? I'm ready. Fire right. away. You got it. If you could play a round of golf with one of your golfing heroes, who would it be? Arnold Palmer. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I just knew that. Okay. And if you could get a lesson from one current tour, touring pro, who might that be? Touring pro, would you say, or a tournament uh, or, a, or a teaching pro? No, a tournament. Which, a tournament. tournament? Yeah. Um, Tiger Woods. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can see that. Okay. Here's a good one for you, Jeff. If I declared that you were the supreme ultimate leader of golf for one day what would be your decree as supreme leader i would put my hand out and try to make a deal between the pga tour and live golf and bring them together somehow some way yeah i think that's a great idea <laughs> if you could dine um with a historical figure, who would it be? And what would be on the menu? You got your barbecue tongs right there, buddy. So I know you're ready. Right here. And I've got my tequila right here. And I've got my orange off my tree that goes in my tequila right here. So I'm, I'm all set. Um, to answer that question. Uh, well, if I could die with someone that's currently living or someone that's no longer living, Jeff? doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We bring them back if they're deceased. I would uh, love to have my father back in my life. He was my best friend, my mentor, um, business mentor, best friend, um, confidant. I would love to have him back in my life, and I would love to uh, experience him again, and then 
I'm happy to go down the down the road with him a second time for him and a first time for me. There you go. There you go. Over the years, Jeff, what did you come to the conclusion was the toughest part of your job? Well, when I was on the PGA Tour, the toughest part was finishing on Sunday without thinking about what it was going to mean if I were to win a PGA Tour event. That happened to me a couple of times, getting ahead of myself, not thinking about the money that I needed to make when I played well in that final round. So I would say closing on finishing on Sunday without thinking about what it was going to mean, you know, getting into the masters, being exempt for the next year on the tour, um, the money I was going to make. I wish I could have put all that aside and just played those last nine holes the way I played the first 63. Had I been able to do that, I would have won two or three times on the PGA tour. There you go. Um, if we put Jeff Sanders' skills to music, what would the music be? <laughs> I'll tell you right now, uh, I love Bruce Springsteen. There you go. Uh, I love Bruce Springsteen. I love the fact he, you know, I love to listen to him when I'm working out. I love to rock to Born in the USA. I love him. Uh, when I want to go the other way, I'm a huge fan of Stevie Nicks. I love, you know, I love her, everything she does. Um, but I'm a rock and roll guy. I'm a classic rock guy. Billy Idol, Sammy Hagar, Joan Jett. Oh, yeah. Journey. Yeah, that's me. When I got my first radio gig in L.A. in college, uh, and I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Trust me. It was about like you coming to the Fred Meyer deal and saying, now what do we do? You know? Right. Uh, Best way. Yeah. There was some turntables. There were some carts. There was all these knobs and switches. And I'm like, oh, well, we made it work. But <laughs> I used to yep. like to, I used to like to warm them up in the morning with a little Zeppelin. And then oh, yeah. I'd, I'd go from Zeppelin, like to Jimmy Buffett. And then, back to Ozzy and you know, I'd flip them back and forth. Like I keep them on their toes at, you know, six 30 in the yeah. morning when they had to get up and go to class. So that's, well, those are all, I remember, you know, a little iron butterfly. Oh yeah. Yeah. You remember, uh, you know, house of the rising sun, the, oh, the animals. The, yeah. It's the doors, Jim Morrison. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. baby. Fire. Try to set the night on fire. No, I mean, you know, I remember driving up from Eugene with Peter and I in the car going to Tokatig. It's an hour drive up there. I remember listening to uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive, and he and I played 36 or 54 holes at Tokatig on a during the week. We're supposed to be in school, but we were playing golf. Um, and then we'd stop at Phil's. Yes, we have it, which is a little store in Blue River, no longer there. Grab a six pack of Coors Light and some licorice, and put on uh, put on some music. Maybe a little Steve Miller band on the way back to Eugene. There you go. There you go. Yeah, All right, Peter, I, that's just what we did. You know, so you know, <laughs> it's legal, man. It's yeah. legal. It's uh, <laughs> I yeah, I I can tell you. Well, I will over the years. I'll tell you some of the stories about some of those concerts I went to. The ones I remember. I'll just put it that yeah. way. <laughs> I remember 
I remember I used to wear clogs and I lost a clog one time. I mean, no, it was, uh, you know, remember those Britannia jeans and all, I mean, I, you know, this was, you know, those were the days where you ask yourself, God, how did I ever, how did I ever get through all that college stuff and end up, you know, actually responsible, you know, down the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's- we have- I'll tell you that I I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't change places with anybody, Jeff. A lot what, of fun. What um, what's about the dumbest thing you ever saw happen at one of your tournaments? Oh wow, dumbest thing I've ever seen happen. Oh man, boy, that's a good question. Uh, well, I had a caddy one time. He's, he he had a in a Lincoln Continental, probably the longest car from front to back I've ever seen. And six or seven caddies would, would ride in it with him between tournaments. His name was Turnpike. And uh, one time I caught him in the shower at Hillcrest Country Club. And I'm like, what are you doing in here? And he, and he said, well, I just, you know, came in to take a shower. And I said, well, Turnpike, you can't, you can't come in here as a caddy and take a shower in this private country club. You know, what are you doing? Well, I don't know. No one told me I couldn't. I wasn't real bright. I mean, I didn't, he, he didn't go to jail over it or anything, but that was kind of wild. Um, dumbest, dumbest other thing. Gosh, I don't know. There, there've been a lot of crazy things happen in this golf, in this golf world. Um, I had a, a lot of my stories are caddy stories. I had a caddy one time I was playing in a tournament. I was on 16th hole bank of Boston in Pleasant Valley. And I was in the middle of the fairway and I was, trying to, I was choking my brains out, trying to get in on Sunday to make a decent check. And I'd hit a shot over a lake with a six or a seven iron downhill. And I was trying to decide six, seven, six, seven, six, seven, get, you know, I look over my caddy's reading a book, middle of fairway. I'm like, what do you, I need your help, man. What are you doing? He goes, well, I'll be done with this page in just a minute. I say, we're on the PGA tour. I got to hit this shot on the green. He says, all right. Okay. What do you got? And so that's, your, that's the question I want to ask you. How far am I? I don't know. Let me figure it out. So, well, it's too late. We, you know, we, I got to just pull the trigger and hit it. And I hit a perfect shot right in the middle of the lake. <laughs> and I don't think to this day he realized it had anything to do with him. There are a lot of caddies were an interesting, they're an interesting bunch. Oh, yeah. Sure. There's a guy that lives down by you. Um, he just wrote a book. It's self-published, but I had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. His name's uh, Larry Molestic, uh, okay. kind of like Majestic, but Majestic. he cattered for uh, caddied for uh, Bruce Crampton, Chi-Chi, Lee, and um, uh, Gary Player. And he's got all these stories in the book about working for those guys and how he kind of went from like, a caddy situation that you just described to yeah. flying in Chi Chi's private jet. It's a great story with all the little sidebars in it. So maybe you'll run into him one day down there. It's he's I remember one time I went to check out the Tropicana one year in Las Vegas and I went to check out and I and I said, Well, room number, you know, two hundred and the gal said, Well, you have seven rooms. And I said, What? She says, Yeah, you got seven rooms here for seven nights. You owe me forty nine forty nine nights. I said, no, no, I got one room for, I'm a pro. I'm at one room for seven nights. What are you talking about? And she goes, well, here you got, they were all caddies. My caddy had put six other caddies on my bill 
and himself. So I just sat there and waited for him. They, I said, well, go put a boot on all those caddies hotel room and I'll just sit here and wait for him to come on down. And so I did. And he comes rolling down. He put, yeah, he, he decided that he was going to charge. And pros don't normally pay, especially pros like me who are trying to make it, make a living, uh, you know, staying in the red roof inn and driving your car from, you know, you're not going to probably pay for seven caddies for seven nights. Probably not going to happen. Probably not. Conversation in the lobby of the Tropicana about that. You can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> that was after missing the cut. So uh, it was rather, it was rather warm in the lobby of the Tropicana. Uh, I would, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> okay. So you're a music guy. I'm a music guy. What's the worst concert? Not that you ever promoted, could be anywhere, anything you just saw personally, but what's the worst concert you ever attended and then the best one? I attended a concert Snow Patrol one time at the Memorial Coliseum. I I did not really like, I uh, did not enjoy. Um, that was a long time ago. I thought it was going to be cool, but it wasn't. Um What's the best concert? I sat on the stage about 12 feet from Zach Brown at the Moda Center when he was there this fall. Um, my friend David Plyler is his manager, and he said, hey, Sanders, we're coming to Portland, Zach Brown Band, playing Moda Center. I got a special, something special I want to do for you. And I said, great. He says, let's meet for a glass of wine in the Rose Room before, and then I'll take you to this, take you to the show. I said, okay. So I meet him there for a glass of wine. And next thing I know, he says, come with me. And we go down underneath the rose, underneath the motor center. And we come out on the stage and he says, just go ahead and sit on that stool right there. I was literally not more than 12 feet from Zach Brown for two hours. I, my phone was blowing out. There were 20,000 people there for the, for the concert in the motor center. And all these people are, I'm, they're texting me. What are you doing? on that stage i was sitting there and i was i was just kind of sitting there like this and it, he was right here parallel his whole band and the entire rose rose garden or motor center was there and i was just sitting there watching the show that was the best now i've been i mean i've been involved with lots of shows i mean like i've been naming names you know dave matthews john let me have booked all these people hired all these people stevie nicks and i've been on the stage i've actually introduced all the bands that i'm talking about but as far as paying and going to his concert, uh, I didn't pay to go to see to go see Zach. But that experience was second to none. You were probably sitting there like the world's biggest Cheshire cat with that kinda, grin on your face. To be honest with you, I kind of was. I, I, you know, I didn't know that much about Zach Brown, but man, what a show that was. He was fantastic. But that was. Yeah. So, you know, been to a lot of concerts over 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 time like you have but never sat on the stage for two hours in a place like the Moda Center. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what's one thing you miss about your 20s, Jeff? Oh, wow. Miss about my 20s. Um, well, when I was in my 20s, I was broke, uh, playing the tour, broke. <laughs> uh don't miss that too much um you know i don't know jeff i don't really 
don't know. I don't, I don't miss too much. You know, I kind of take it a day at a time and uh, find something good about each and every day. So I really would say I don't, I don't really miss anything from my twenties, to be honest with you. I, 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 I had a great, I had a great run. I loved, I loved the tw- my twenties and I loved being in a situation where I was trying to chase my dream. Thought I'd play on the tour till I was a champions tour player. Didn't work out that way, but chasing my dream was, uh, I missed that. I mean, I, I would like to have that. I would, I, I, I'll change my answer. I'd like to have that over again. I would, I would have done it differently. There you go. I'll tell you what I miss about my twenties getting out of bed in the morning and not taking five minutes to make everything line up so I can get going. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. Interesting. You know, I I was, a lot of answers were about to come out of my mouth that I probably shouldn't have come out. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. The other room here. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, you have a favorite uh, sports writer or golf writer besides Kerry Eggers because he just did that great piece on you? Oh, you know, when I was growing up in Oregon, the guy that covered every tournament, Bob Robinson, uh, never missed a junior tournament and never missed a pro tournament that I was either at or playing in. Um uh, I, Robbie, I, I, I thought Bob was a great golf writer. Um, as far as national golf writers go, um, you know, I used to kind of get a kick out of Jim Achenbach, believe yeah. it or not. Uh, kind of a strange dude, but, but I, I like kind of the stuff he came up with. He was kind of out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I'm, like fr- the same I'm, reason. I'm friends with Gary Van Sickle and, Oh Van, yeah. Van cynical, as we call him, he can get yeah. out there a little bit. He makes me laugh a lot. I like guys who get out there a little bit, Yeah, you know, up a little bit, you know, let's go. Um, yeah. So I would say, you know, in today's world, you know, it's more broadcasters, you know, I'm a big fan of Johnny Miller. I like Brandel Chambly mm-hmm. um, for that reason. I like Johnny for that reason. Um, I, I really don't want to have someone tell me that, you know, I've got, you know, Jeff Tracy in the center of the fairway, 155 yards with an eight iron. I really don't need to hear that. I want to tell me what's going on up here. You know, how nervous is Jeff? You know, you know, I want to know something else. Not, right. You know what I mean? Yep. I got it. Now, here's kind of a, a true golf related as far as inside stuff. What do you think? uh Maybe there isn't one, but a big the biggest change that you think should be made uh in pro golf and amateur golf or one versus the other. Wow, biggest change. Biggest change in pro golf, amateur golf. You know, I'd like to see more access to PGA tour events by local players that are really good players that live in the area of the tournament have have a chance to play in front of their hometown, whether they're a pro or an amateur, it's really hard to, to get in. It's almost basically it's almost impossible. Um, That'd be fun to see. You know, I I enjoyed it down here. There's a young man, Charlie Ryder is his name. Uh, When he was 
18 years old. We gave him a sponsor exemption. He was the best high school player in the area. And I've always wanted to do something to, you know, draw the audience, get more people to come. So I gave Charlie a sponsor invitation to play in the American Express. And he was 18 years old. And on Saturday, he shot nine under par 63 on the stadium course down here. And all these people down here knew of him since he was a little boy, the kid that wore the knickers when he was five years old, all the way up. And he came out here at 18 years old, played with all the pros, put 63 on the board. And there were probably a thousand or more people that his high school band, his high school golf teammates, boys and girls, his all the people in the Valley that knew who he was came out and watched him. It was fun to see that. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Superstar. That Big would talent. be cool. Yeah. Um, here's a fun one for you, Jeff. What would your last meal on death row be? <laughs> Hamburger, French fries, and a milkshake and call it a day. There you go. I mean, you don't have to worry about gaining weight at that point. No, great big burger, big time fries, big chocolate shake. I'm good. Kind of a Helvetia Tavern type deal yeah. out there, you know, one of those deals. Um, last question here, buddy. Yeah. Here's your chance. What would your message to the golf world be? Message to the golf world. Well, um, again, great question. Um, I would say be more open-minded to adding more to these events, more like this week's Phoenix Open. You know, you want to get more people there to have fun. Be more open to entertainment. Be more open to getting away from just would you shoot. I understand the golf's going to be great. Someone's going to shoot 20, 25 under. I get it. But be more open to letting this thing grow and go, you know, let the, let, you know, let's, 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 let's understand we're in the entertainment business and let's have concerts. Let's do whatever we can to bring everybody to the event. Let's make sure it's an event and not just a golf tournament. And let's get all the tournaments to, to understand that we're all, we all need to be a part of growing our audiences and we've already got that golf fan coming, that diehard golf fans already coming, always has, always will. But let's open up our, our, our minds and our eyes to doing more things to entertain people. And I'll honestly kind of what we're doing, but, but let's, let's be open to that across the PGA Tour, all tournaments, really. I mean, that's really what Liv is doing right now. You know, Liv mm -hmm. is, is doing things to entertain people, and that's what people like. So I, I think. I think you, know, you hit it on the head there, Jeff. It's always going to be the Masters. Let's leave it the cherished event that it is, the historical, traditional Masters. I get that. Don't don't mess with that. And the U.S. Open, probably the Open Championship, same way. But other than that, let's blow it up. Yeah, I think, I think I think the key word there, and I'm with you, is that it's entertainment. Yeah. You know, the entertainment part is getting to watch all the best players in the world play, but then the ancillary stuff that goes with it at these events. And instead of just looking through the, the, you know, one lens, yeah. um, because 
if you put the entertainment to the event and actually make it an event, just not a golf tournament, uh, I think you got something. And you've proved my point over the years. Uh, yeah. if, if you don't do that, then you're in trouble. I agree with you. I think that's that's exactly what should happen. Um, and, you know, we have shown that that's what people want. Give them what they want. You know, we first started, we were Jeff Sanders promotions, not Jeff Sanders productions. Why is that? Well, because I want to keep I want to keep the word promotions out in front because we want to be promoters of events. We don't want to be operating production people. We want to be promoters, not production. You know what I mean? And then when it was time to come back after selling my business to Lagadier out of, out of Paris and start up this boutique golf event business again, I had to come up with another name. So I said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to art. We're known for entertainment. Let's just call it out. Jeff Sanders entertainment. So Jeff Sanders promotions and Jeff Sanders entertainment were kind of the same thing, just different times in my life, mm-hmm. not production. I've always been against the word production because it, te- it sends a message that you're, you're an operations person, operations company. No, you got to promote your product, sell your product and entertain your, your customer. And we'll go get the production done. We'll, we'll do that. But that shouldn't, in my opinion, that shouldn't be out front. There you go. Jeff Sanders from Jeff Sanders Entertainment. Long and very well storied history in the world of golf from player to promoter. How about that? And uh, a good friend. And buddy, thank you for taking all this time to be with us today. Jeff, thank you for having me. I'm proud of you for what you've done in your life. Uh, you've been Man, you've been everywhere. I'm, I I wish I'd have been been more ex, expand my horizons more like you have. But uh, <laughs> one thing we have in common is we love this great game of golf, and we're passionate about it. I know you are. You can tell that I am. Um, very fortunate, I think, and very grateful to be able to be in this game for from all these years. Like you said, we're the same age, from twelve years old to sixty-seven. Right, fifty-five mm-hmm. years in this game in one form or another uh, is a blessing and uh, just grateful. So uh, thanks for having me. Enjoyed your show. And uh, I think what I'm going to do, is it five o'clock yet in Portland? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, can I just take this baby right here and crack it open, put a little ice in with it. What do you think? I think it's a hell of an idea. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. All right, stay with us for a minute. Uh, that's it for the after hours this week. We want to thank Jeff. Uh, he's not going away anytime soon, I can tell you that. But uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. And remember, as we always say, go play some golf and be kind. <laughs>